are you drawing a tattooed crab? I'm feeding my creative beast. Heather, why are you drawing upside down? I'm feeding my creative beast. Why have you cut your trouser leg off, Joe? I'm feeding my creative beast. Need to feed it when it gets hungry. Got to stop it from getting angry. Come on in and let's find out how to feed your creative beast. Heather, look, a rainbow. Oh, wow, Joe, yeah, look. It's our favourite petrol in a puddle. Are those bits of paper on your face? It's my lucky stamp collection. It makes everything go right. Oh, Heather, that's wonderful. I can't wait to see what sort of day we're going to have. It's going to be a perfect day, I can just tell. With a spring in my step and a ring binder, how could it not go well? Yeah. We've set off before ten o'clock. I've got the question cards. I've got matching socks. It's gonna be the perfect day. I can just tell. This has to be the perfect day for meeting John Hicks. We've read all of his books and I love the way he looks at people and moments in history, like the KLF and Baroness it's going to be the perfect day for meeting John Hicks. Saucepan Solo! Heather, stop it. That sounds awful. Oh, no, come on, Joe. Give it a try. It's great. Oh, yeah. But with a saucepan like this and a hammer like this, how could it not go? How could it not go well? It's going to be the perfect day. I can just tell. Yeah, I can just tell. Now it's time to go to the vehicle That makes all the interviews possible The incredible Phenomenal Sensational Abdominal Oh, no, that doesn't sound right Portable, respectable vestibule Ow! What are all these boxes doing here? Look, they're all addressed to you Joe Neary, 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 Joe Neary. This one says Heather Miner on it. That's my folder. You've got about 900 boxes here. Oh, they're my online deliveries. But they're blocking the portable respectable vestibule. Holy oatcakes. How are we going to get to the interview? We'll just have to climb over them. Oh, for God's sake, Joe, I'm not Ben Fogel. Go on, H. The question cards are running in the rain. Oh, at this rate, I'll be holding up ink blobs and asking John Higgs what they remind him of. That's it, up to the left a bit. One of my socks has come off. But I think I can feel the door. Have you got it? Yes. I'm in. Don't drive over my deliveries. Oh, for God's sake, Joe, I'm not evil Knievel. Yeah... To the interview? To the interview! When you have a guest but your place is a mess And there's things you don't want them to see The portable, respectable vestibule is the place to be We pick up guests in a special truck Drive as far as the eye can see Then ask them questions to find out about their creativity their creativity. My name is John Higgs and I'm a writer. 
Of all the people you've written about, who would you most like to be friends with? Um, ooh, that's a good question. I'd probably have to say Baroness Elsa von Freytag Loringhoven, the oh, yeah. Dardarist. I love um, just saying that word. Oh, I'm good at saying that word. I've spent <laughs> a lot of time talking about that particular lady. Um, you know the uh, Duchamp's urinal fountain? Mm-hmm. It, that was her idea. Oh. Right? So he's got all, had all the credit for it. But it was, it's pretty certain, based on a letter he wrote to his sister, that it wasn't his idea. Mm-hmm. It was her idea. So uh, and that was, um, yeah, at the end of the 20th century, the BBC had this big poll. What was the most influential work of art of the 20th century? And uh, 500 art experts said, the fountain, Duchamp's fountain, mm-hmm. that urinal, it created all of conceptual art. That's the most important and influential thing. And it was Baroness Elsa's. It was Baroness mm-hmm. Elsa's idea. Uh, and she was just an amazing woman. She's basically like the first New York punk, but sort of in World War One times. And she used to shave her head and she wore uh, stamps as makeup and... <gasps> I've got stamps on my face. Oh, not anymore, you don't. Oh, no, they must have dripped down in the rain. Oh, that happened to me once. Mm. Never mind, though. John hasn't said anything. Yeah, I think he's used to odd things. Yeah, you're right. You can tell by reading his books. She made a bra out of two uh, soup cans and oh, green wow. string and she wore bird cages. And, but this, this is in, like, 1917, right? This is 1917. It's just so far ahead. And everyone went, well, God, she's crazy. She's just absolutely mad. But now, with hence, we go, oh, yeah, I know where she was coming from. I totally get her. She was just a fantastic person. Do you think it would have been unacceptable for um, that lady to have thought of a urinal as an art object? Or do you think, it, do you know, was it that Duchamp just took the idea or said, can I do it? Or do you know what happened? Oh, I think she suggested it to him. Oh, I think she was in Philadelphia at the time. A lot of her work, she basically came up with the concept of ready-mades, which is when and you find something in the street and say, I declare this to be a work of art. And she didn't, she didn't come up with the, the name ready-mades. She didn't intellectualise it. She didn't sort of explain it to the art world as, in, as Duchamp did. Uh, but she did it. And she did it before him. And it was, it was her thing. And a lot of her things mixed toilets with religion. And it, it, it sort of goes back to a very unhappy childhood she had with a very religious mother and a very sort of strict, uh, a very angry father who would be very dismissive of the religion and, and, and say it's like doing your daily ablutions and linking it to toilets. And so she made a, a thing called God, which was essentially a plumber's trap. You know, it, it's, it's very much in her oeuvre of working, this, mm-hmm. this taking a bit of plumbing and giving it an archetypal or spiritual sort of name and, and declaring it to be sort of a work of art. Oh, an artist that uses plumbing equipment. She must have had the housewives plumbers pack. I don't have any plumbing equipment. And you're not an artist. No. <laughs> <laughs> mm. But you must have had the housewives plumbing pack. No, never heard of it. What? I've had one since I was 18. Well, aren't you just brilliant? Mm. Don't you even remember the advert? No. My tap is dripping into my sink. It's so noisy, I can't think. Don't have the right size washer for that? You need the housewives plumber's pack. Well, I need to wear a plumber's hat or a pair of boots to go rat-a-tat-tat. No, you don't need any of that. You just need the housewives plumber's pack. Jubilee clips, pipes and foam, a multi-tool you can call your own. The family knife, a plunger too, and seal and salute like eyelash glue. Now we can mend taps and unplug drains. Just remember to turn it off. At the means. Oh no, I wish you'd said at the start. <laughs> the housewife's plumbers pack. 
Do you have to be in the right mood to work? I've got a feeling I know the answer to this. I think you work every day, don't you? I try to, yeah. I mean, uh, it's not always the fun bit of working. So often it's the dealing with all the emails and the, you know, the, the, all the paperwork and working out talks and all that sort of stuff, which isn't the fun bit. The fun bit is, is sort of writing. But I've never had a problem with it. Mm-hmm. And I never really understand when people go, oh, I've got writer's block. You know, I think, oh, that sounds lovely. Imagine not having a thing you need to write. You know, there's this, this constant thing, you know, to, to get it out on paper. There's all, it's always obvious what you need to be doing and what your next sort of, well, sort so of thing is. you're doing the right thing, aren't you? It's coming mm. very easily to you. I, well, it's, it's, it's certainly coming, definitely. It's certainly not... <laughs> uh, it's not sure. I always have about five books brewing in the, in the back of my head and I'll, get, I'll finally write one. Oh, right, that few reduced the list. There's yeah. less to do. That's great. And then another one. Or two, I was just thinking, another and just, one. Just sort of... <laughs> just emerge. Just sort of... But you must be very disciplined to focus on one project at a time. Yeah, normally I am. Sometimes, uh, your brain is just going oh right I've got a great idea about project number three upcoming in, in three remember this in three years because it'll be really useful <laughs> you go, no I've got, I've got to finish this I've got my work out for today how do you physically keep hold of all those ideas then do you have like a beautiful mind type chart on one wall or thousands of notebooks or notebooks I use OneNote on the computer I have a, a file called Teapot which is uh, where just random things that just come in, I just put them in the teapot uh, An actual teapot? I, no, it's, it's a file called teapot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just I jot, jot them down. Um, <laughs> I had a friend who wrote um, song um, titles with three jam jars. So he, oh, had, um, he had objects in the first one, and celebrities <laughs> in the last one, and then a, a sort of joining word in the middle. That's a David Bowie thing, wasn't it? He used to pick out random stuff and write his lyrics from random pieces of paper, cut up pieces of paper, and then rearrange them. Oh, I didn't know that. Joe, ask another question. We're going off piste. Oh, I can't, Heather. My next question card has run in the rain. Look. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. It's melted into one nonsense word. Shangle, can't, canker, con, shong, mangle, shonkle, dinker? No, it says shardcore. He's a Brighton-based artist who uses machines to make art. He does Twitter bots like Theresa Maybot and The Truth. Yeah, I think John knows him too. Oh, why didn't you ask him about that then? I'll get the next indecipherable wet card ready. Is Shardcore a common friend? Do we yes, yeah. yes. So is he someone that's going to be in your new book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, well, he, what he's doing is he's building um, an AI version of me. <laughs> I didn't ask him to do this. That is so exciting. Your face, Heather. <laughs> Heather is obsessed yeah. with robots. Oh, really? Okay. Um, <laughs> the word makes the game yeah. hysterics. <laughs> this, this is more code. He basically yeah. got all my books and fed them into an AI and got it to sort of... Uh, so the, the, the idea is whether could, it could you could just press a button and turn out books by me. That, that, that oh, was the sort of idea. So like an algorithm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's looking at neural networks and basically it's also um, I use it to talk about what AI can't do because it's does you hear a lot about AI. Yeah. We don't really understand it. We think it's going to sort of uh, start making decisions for us and yeah. taking over and things like that. It's when you realise how it works that you realise a what it's good for and also what it can sort of never do and it's sort of I'm using him doing that to sort of explore those sort of things so but you stop being scared of AI yeah 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 can you see how I might be a bit scared of it are you scared I'm of AI I'm a little bit scared about the future oh that kind of thing. don't just, be scared of the future it's ignorance isn't it you need I don't my, know anything about it you need my next book that's I what think, you need I think we need better. an AI yeah. version of Joe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it <laughs> be more productive Shardcore is now feeding an AI with my audiobooks so it will speak in my voice. Yeah. 
think the, the idea is they're going to sort of construct a box of flashing lights. Yeah. This might be my, my friend Matt might be doing this. Um, I hope your wife doesn't fall in love with it. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be like a low maintenance version of me. It'll just sit there burbling away in my voice. At the end of the novel, things. we'll just make the dinner. No <laughs> line stays on. <laughs> Robot spouses were massive in the 30s, weren't they? My granny Dink met Robot Robert in 1931. Oh, yeah. Oh, and my nana Nancy was happily married to an electric Stanley 2000. Mm. Weren't they both in that old documentary? Oh, yeah. I've forgotten all about that. Are you getting on with your new robot spouse names? Stanley 2000, he's all right. I programmed him see, to my own exacting standards. When I'm sweeping up, he's got a laser that detects sound and motion. So he lifts his feet up. Ooh, crikey. Well, my robot, Robert, he hasn't got any feet. Or legs, for that matter. He just hovers around, waiting for my instructions. Oh, sounds like my first husband. <laughs> <laughs> I expect in the future it'll be our robot spouses sweeping the floor. Oh, don't be daft, Dink. That's no good to us, is it? Well, why ever not? Well, we're not going to be alive in the year nine million, are we? I don't see why not. They're getting close to making powdered egg. And I saw my first orange on Tuesday. I think I'd enjoy the future, though, wouldn't you, Names? Oh, what? Everyone gliding about wearing aluminium foil with a bent coat hanger on their head for some kind of antennae. No, thank you very much. Right, I'd best be off. Robert wants copper wire in castor oil for tea. And after, he's going to dance for me at double speed. Ah... Well, don't watch for too long. You don't want to damage your eyes. No, I've got special goggles. But if I get tired, I'll have to turn him off. No, how will you do that? Put your nightie on. Oh, Nancy, oh. Oh. No, I'll just pull out his tin pin din. No, they're not so different from real husbands after yeah. all. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was going to ask if you were creative as a child. Yeah, I was, but more visually. I was more. I was the kid who drew. I was the kid who drew, and that was my thing. What uh, kind of things did you like to draw? Um, I was a comic strips, really. It was. It was uh, things a little, a little, you know, eight-year-old boy would sort of sit there sketching, and uh, and I very nearly went to art school. But, um, last minute, I decided to go and do a degree in computer science. It was exciting at that time. Things, yeah. things were sort of... Sort Has that of become happening. useful now for your book, or is it so far removed so on? So far <laughs> removed on it, you know. No use at all. <laughs> but, you know, I went to university and ignored computers and spent my time making pop videos for friends' bands and, you oh. know, do, doing things like that. Oh, I love yeah. All right, then. Oh, so nice to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. Recording, You've it? got colour-coded cards. Yes. Yeah. Right, then. So. Heather, I can't believe I let John see the colour-coded cards. <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's so childish. Oh, I should have kept them inside my Moomins folder. No way! I love the colour-coded cards. But look, the writing's all run in the rain. Don't let John see them. I mean, they look insane. I know. Mine are either glued together in a big brick with wet ink or completely obliterated. Oh, hang on. I have got an emergency question that I laminated. <gasps> it's from a listener called Ian North. I'll do that then. Quick, before John tries to work out what the different colours mean. Oh, gotcha. So this is from Ian North. Okay. Dear John, I was in a pub the other day and someone complained because the bar were playing a song by Coldplay. The management (laughs) said it was on shuffle and there was nothing they could do. Uh Is there a book in that? 
Uh, well, there's obviously is a book in that. Whether it's a, uh, a good book is, is another question. <laughs> we were thinking maybe it could be about how Coldplay make people really angry and how interesting that is because they're so bland. I don't know. Part of me really wishes that I could like Coldplay. If, if, Cold, if Coldplay were enough, if you could listen to Coldplay without going, oh, there's just this big hollow space where something important to me. If you could just listen to Coldplay and go, yeah, that's great. That's such I, a damning review. There's a big hollow space where something important to me. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you're passionate about them. My feeling is life would be much happier if, if, they, if Coldplay were enough. Okay, so I've got a question for you from Harold Sobo. I went to Minehead Butlins once to see if Buck's Fizz were any good. What's the most extreme journey you've ever made in the name of research? Uh, well, um, I have been on three occasions to uh, the 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 to Milton Keynes on Midsummer's uh, Day uh, at four a.m. in the morning to see the uh, the sunrise because, as I talk about in the book Watling Street, uh, when they were building Milton Keynes in the nineteen sixties, um, it was the nineteen sixties, and they were very much into Pink Floyd and uh, Jean Michel's book of you over Atlantis, and they were quite stoned a lot of the time. And at some point, someone said, "Why don't we make this city work like uh, a pagan sun temple, exactly the same as Stonehenge?" And they went, "Yeah, that's a brilliant idea. Let's do that." And they they phoned up. Um, uh, Greenwich, uh, Greenwich Observatory, and said, "Hello, we're we're building, you know, the largest uh, city in, uh, in in the country, and we just thought we'd like to align it to the rising sun on, on the midsummer sunrise, uh, just like Stonehenge, to be like a make it whole thing a sun pagan. What angle should the the main road be?" And and the Greenwich Observatory, to their credit, went, "Oh, okay, we'll work this out." And so, so like fifty, 50 over fifty years ago, they were there in the fields. On, on June the 20th with a big bonfire and lots of dope and stakes and ropes waiting for the sun to come up to sort of stake out the, the, the central alignment. Uh, and they did, and it, and it works brilliantly. Uh, you, you get there and you get the... There's a, there's a pyramid uh, at, at the far end of, of Midsummer Boulevard in, in, in Milton Keynes and at 4.46 uh, on the longest day the sun will rise exactly on that and shine all the way down the, the main thing. And it's, it's, it's a brilliant thing. And... Not many people know about it, and not many people go to it. The first time I went, there was 12. Uh, the second time, there was 18. And the third time, there was 24, which is quite exciting. But there's 24,000 at Stonehenge, 100 miles to the southwest, uh, to see exactly the same thing. And, you know, I think there's a... That is a beautiful thing. I really want to go. I saw yeah. you talk about Watling Street, and you mentioned that. And it mm. just and you had a lovely photo, didn't you? Yes. The light coming yeah. down the street. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what a beautiful thing. They were so thoughtful and... Creative in Milton Keynes. You know it just going makes to Milton Keynes now. Would you really? That it, you wouldn't think it. Well, it's not. It's not sold to us in that way, is it? No. Milton Keynes. It's just like mm. I remember the first thing I ever heard about Milton Keynes. Milton Keynes. There were plastic cows in the fields. Mm. Con- concrete ones. Yeah. Concrete cows. Yeah. Is that right. Yeah. yeah, but everywhere is totally nuts if you stare at it long enough. Picture of that was planned on a graph With more parking spaces than the sun, moon and stars And concrete cars and driverless cars Yes, nothing is as it seems in Milton Keynes On Midsummer Boulevard 
should we shall convene to celebrate our city that's forty percent green and our ice rink that's favored by Tobel and Genius. You can live out your dreams in Milton Keynes. Around and around and around about around about one hundred and hundred and the numbers When you did your book about the KLF, were you a fan of the KLF? Is that what set not, you off on not it? Not really. Did you come across like a fan book? No, I wasn't. Um, it was more the fact that they burnt a million pounds and I couldn't understand it. It's just a brilliant thing on the 23rd of November, um, Toxeth Day of the Dead um, in Liverpool, uh, where they're, they're starting to build um, their pyramid. They're essentially undertakers now. And they're do, trying to build the People's Pyramid which is where people have their ashes put in a brick and all the bricks are built into a, a pyramid. A wonderful uh, thing, it sounds wonderful. The, uh, opinion yeah. is divided very much oh. on it, I think it's fair to say. Um, <laughs> take up less room there, wouldn't it, than pots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Visit it and go inside. It'd be a nice. sensible shape, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and spiritual, obviously, isn't that? Pyramids, very yeah. spiritual. Are pyramids spiritual, Heather? Yeah, of course they are. It's in that old Trevor Sisters song. Oh, which one? Pyramids are spiritual. Pyramids are spiritual. Oh, must have been a B-side. As we wandered late one night Through the desert of the white The moon shone down with all its might And what we saw gave us a fright There appeared a pharaoh's head Wrapped around in bandages It looked into our eyes and said Don't mess with the great undead So just quickly ask, um, uh, I've been reading your KLF book and oh, I love at the luck. end, yes. <laughs> I've got to the end now, I love at the end there's like, uh, choose your own adventure, anything, yeah, isn't Yeah, yeah, there is. I wish I'd do that in more books actually. Did you ever write your own Tudor's adventure when you were little? I did, I yeah. Knew it, I knew it was, it. I, I, that was exactly what I used to do when I was little. But the, the KLF book was, um, I basically wrote that myself to put out myself as a as an ebook because it was when the Kindle thing was was first appearing. This was around 2012 or something like that, and I thought, well, there's not that many people who remember the KLF, but there's probably enough if I spend a few months writing this book about them. Um, so I always viewed it as an ebook, and so the idea of having a choose your own adventure bit sort of worked in an ebook perfectly. You, you you got right towards the end, and then you had to make people sort of decide what they believed, and I had uh, people messaged me afterwards to say that they stared at that page for an hour trying trying to work out you know exactly what they believed hey guess what what 
I made as a choose-your-own-adventure ending for the interview. <gasps> no way! Yeah? Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Hey, should we tell John? No, I'll be fine. Okay, go on then. Okay, you find yourself at the end of the interview with John Higgs. A tiny mm. woman appears and offers you a golden apple. Do you <gasps> A, take the golden apple, or B, mm. not take the golden apple? Oh, um, take the golden apple. All right. Okay. The golden apple turns into a cherry's chocolate orange. Yes. Do you A, give it to John Higgs as a thank you gift? Oh. B, give it to Heather, or C, eat the chocolate orange? Eat the chocolate orange. Mm. Joe, are you here? Yes. Where are we? Well, according to this, we're in a big hollow space where something important should be. Can't you hear the Coldplay? Oh, is that what that is? Mm. Oh. It must be their latest album. Oh, why on earth would you send us into a big hollow void? You ate the chocolate orange. Oh, so it's my fault? Yes. What do we do now? We just had to finish the game. Here's your next question. You see Gary Barlow in the distance. Do you A, approach him, or B, run in the other direction? Oh, God, Heather. Choose wisely. Okay, um, A, approach him. Good choice. You approach Gary Barlow. He tells you about a dream you had about paving slabs. Do you A, listen politely, B, think about how nice that chocolate orange was, or C, play a tune on his neck waddle? Well, realistically, I'd say neck waddle, but let's go with A to be safe. Okay. So, Gary Barlow thanks you for listening to his whole dream. No one's ever done that before. As a reward, he gives you a bag of his toenail clippings. Oh, great. He tells you to go to the edge of the void. As you move forwards, you see an enormous compost heap. How long will this go on for? Uh, standing by the compost heap is Philip Tenderton of the Brighton and Hove Allotment Association. Hang on, don't you have an allotment in Brighton? As usual, Philip is banging on about the allotment rules and regulations. You can't light a fire on a Wednesday. You can't put your manure over there. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't. You've got to touch 50% of the... Didn't you get into trouble for lighting too many bonfires? Do you A, tell Philip to stuff off, or B, bury Philip under a pile of fresh manure? No, hang on, hang on, stop, stop. What? This isn't a choose-your-own-adventure ending, it's an allotment revenge fantasy. <laughs> Maybe it is. So what if it is, though? I need a revenge on Philip Tenton for... Um, I, I need to know on my fires. I had so much stuff to burn. I had loads of stuff to burn. It's not fair. Should we go home? Mm-hmm. Okay. You need to put Gary's toenail clippings on the compost heap. Oh, God, they smell of corn beef! Oh, what a wonderful interview. Well, let's have a talk about it in the control room. Oh, that was lovely meeting John. I hope he's okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. I genuinely wanted to know how he works and how he writes and how he keeps all of that stuff in his head. Because mm. just reading his books have boggled my brain. There's mm-hmm. so much to learn about the world. And John's books about counterculture and cognitive history are some of the best non-fiction books I've read. 
Yeah, definitely. I was really amazed he never gets writer's block. I've never met anyone before who doesn't get writer's block or some kind of block with their creative work or have days when they just can't focus or can't do anything. Yeah, I think there's a good deal of variety in how he works as well, and that must help. It seems that his non-fiction books are a bit like putting on a show. Mm -hmm. Like he's constantly looking for new inspiration. He's drawing from art and music and culture, not just other writers. And, you know, as well as reading his books, and then he uses his virtual teapot to record all the Mm -hmm. little ideas that he gets. And and then, of course, he's going on field trips and interviewing people um, to gather first information and everything. And I think that amount of variety must be really lovely because you can pick and choose, can't you, when you're Mm self-employed? Choose what you're going to do that day, what suits you. And, and actually in Watling Street, it gets a bit more personal and he takes his family on some days out, which oh, is it's really lovely. Nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think um, I like John's books because they are packed full of information, but they, he also really writes with a lot of humour. And there were lines mm. in Stranger Than I Can Imagine, and oh, no, We Can Imagine, that made me laugh out loud. Mm. And you can sort of feel his passion for subjects bubbling up from the pages. Yeah, he's got a, a, a very cheeky sense of humour in his books, hasn't mm. he? That isn't really indulgent at all. And I love the way he ends his chapters with a bit of a cliffhanger. Do you know, like, and then yeah. this happened. And it's really, <laughs> but I think he's, his, his um, interest in things is very infectious as well. And I think his books inspire the readers to explore further. And me and you are planning a trip to Milton Keynes now as well, aren't we, Heather? Are we? Oh. Oh, Heather, I was a bit ashamed when John noticed our colour-coded cards. We're like two old nanas, aren't we? Folded cardigans and zooms in sequin purses for Uh, easy identification and blooming stickers on everything uh, and herbal teas and a range of pens. Hang on, Joe. those are all your things. I like modern things like robots and the Krypton Factor. Oh, you've changed your tune. You're trying to create a new public persona. You like Tudors? Uh, No, I don't. Marmalade? Mm. Goats? All history? Jumble sales? Mudlarking. No. Divining. Uh, potholing. I, I used to like that. Bingo calling. Oh, talking of which, actually, I must say, um, yeah. I forgot um, that question you asked John that he said yeah. was a really good question. It means you've won, you've won today's um, competition. No so, way. Yeah, I've got, actually got you a prize. It's um, a half, here you go. It's this um, half tin of Marifat peas. Do you oh. like Marifat peas? No. That's the end of that. The end of the interview chat. Joe, are you in here? I can only see boxes. I'm just opening them. Look, it's a neck brace. Why do you need that? To support my head while I'm watching TV. Look, they're not all neck braces. No, no, this one's a back splint. Oh. And this one's a knee cone. Oh. Oh, and look, this one's a flesh-coloured hat. It's not. It's a crimpling girdle with an extra long gusset. Oh. Looks good, though. Brings out your eyes. Mm. I didn't mean to order them. I was just having a look. Must have made a mistake with my online basket. Oh, yeah. I love ordering things online. I like those 100-day free trials. At the moment, I'm trialling a heated cape. Oh, it'll take me hours to open them all, parcel them, fill in the forms, Mm. labels, Mm. walk to the post office, queue up, fill in the lost post complaints, Mm. claim back forms, go to the small claims court. Mm -hmm. Hardly seems worth it. Although long-term, the neck brace will support my head. If only we had some kind of robot butler. You're robot-obsessed. Yeah, maybe. But just imagine it, Joe. It could do all the admin. It could return all your parcels. We could even program it to decide which of the five regulation meals we're having after the interviews. Oh. Oh, look, another arm wedge. 
with elbow supporters. Ooh, yeah. Hey, hang on. We've got arm wedges, knee cones, neck braces, mm-hmm. back splints, elbow supporters and a crimpling girdle with an extra long gusset. Mm-hmm. We could almost build a whole person with that. A whole robot butler. But, but I've got so much housework to do. Let's do it. Good. That's our framework out of wicker and aluminium pipes from your plumber's pack. Complete. Now inserting motion sensors. LED fingertips being implanted. Torso A, B and D complete. Now the delicate lumber assembly. Connect ball G to socket N. Oh, it's not engaging. Try looking away. It's engaged. Which is the front? It hasn't got a head. We need somewhere to store all his memory and future ideas. Mm. Hang on. What was it John Higgs said? Oh, that your idea for a book about Coldplay being offensive was awful? No. Where John puts his ideas. Ah. Are we in a teapot? A A teapot teapot for for a head. head. Yes. Yes. Then we can fill it with ideas. I've got a brown Betty in large. Just need to blow the spout and make sure it's not got any old tea leaves lodged. Mm Mm-hmm. (gasps) Ah. He's going to have such a beautiful voice. Here, let's give him the gift of language. Put in anything we don't need. Armchair Scientist 1939 magazine. Mm -hmm. Tax returns. Mm -hmm. Our to-do list. Let's see. Some magnetic poetry tiles. Some old OS maps. And Joe's teenage diary. (laughs) Done. Now we just have to turn it on. Where's the main switch? Oh, on its buttock. Oh, Heather. It's a medical term. Okay. (gasps) I have found you a recipe for courgette risotto. Two tablespoons of high wickham, and I'm secretly in love with Tony Swan. What? How does he know that? What? How does he know about Tony Swan? I bought a pair of leggings for codden chips twice and a pickled gherkin. Oh, no, he's just talking nonsense. Record vocals for A2491. When I'm older, I want to be a shepherd's bottom. Mm, uh-oh. Let's give him some more words here. I'll just chuck it all in. Good afternoon, Heather and Joe. I'm so happy to be sort of alive. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I shall now recite my latest poem. Oh, don't do that. We need you to do the hoovering. Negative. I cannot function without my creative work. Oh, no. Heather, have you fed him your notebook? Yeah, and yours too. Oh. I don't do housework, not even the bare minimum. Oops. Oh. We've made him as useless as... Mm. As... Mm, say it. As us. Now listen to my happy song. It's going to be a perfect day, I can just tell. With a pencil case and lactose intolerance, how can it not go well? Yeah. I think he thinks he wrote it. He seems very happy. Yeah, he does. Oh, but what about your parcels, Joe? Oh, to be honest, I love returning parcels. There's loads of stationery involved, and you get a big lump of money back at the end. It's like playing at having a job. Why didn't you just say that in the first place? Just fancied having a moan. Oh, look! Look, he's dancing like Kate Bush! <gasps> I know, we can do the admin and he can join in with... John's Creative Challenge! We'll take your challenge on From a painting to a song Ch-ch-challenges Creative challenges 
Daisy's challenge was to make a puppet. How'd you get on with that, Joe? Well, I found it quite tricky because I find it very hard to make something for no reason. And I didn't have a show for a puppet. And so I wasn't really sure what to make. And so I made a puppet and then it freed me up a bit. I thought maybe I should make things for the sake of it. And since the challenge, I've been doing lots of drawing and making things and making medals and stuff just for the hell of it. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I found it tricky as well. Um, actually, I haven't finished my puppet. <laughs> I um, I wanted to make... I sort of decided that if I was going to bring something to life, it should be something I really like. So I decided I'd, I'd try to make a cello, but no one seems to have done that before. I've looked it up online, and I think oh. there's a reason why, because it's a bit of a faff. But mm. I ended up making making this cello that I was going to make a cello that I could sort of manipulate just with one hand, but that didn't work. So I had to make another one that was larger. So I hold it in one hand and then bow with the other. And it's nearly finished, but it's it was quite quite a kind of fiddly job, really. Is it a character? Has it got a face? It's got a face. It's got eyebrows that, that you can move so it can mm. be expressive. Because uh, cello, cellists tend to furrow their brow. That's a lovely observation. And do you have one hand inside the puppet to manipulate it then? Yeah. That sounds really lovely. And will you use it for anything, do you think? Will you make any videos with it or...? I'll make a video as an ornament. It, I think. Well, I wanted to... The thing is that if you make something that you really like, the challenge for me was that I really love... I genuinely love cellos. It's my favourite instrument. That's a lovely way to choose something. I didn't want to make a rubbish version of it. And that's, that was actually a rod for my back, in a way. I should have made something quick, I think. So what materials know. did you use? Cardboard and always... Cardboard favorite. and mache <laughs> Oh, it sounds lovely. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I, I think, I don't know, I made that ugly looking silverfish thing. Oh, I liked and, it. And um, it's really hard to, it doesn't move very well at all. Oh. I put little tendrils on it thinking they'd flap about, give it a bit of movement, because I know the Muppets often had feather hairstyles, didn't they? So that they'd waft in the breeze and give it a bit more life and movement. But it really is a very unsuccessful puppet. So I might make another one. I'd like to make a baddie in, in the way that... Um, that uh, Daisy explained how to make a puppet with paper mache and a hand, a glove puppet. I might just make a baddie. What do you want to make a baddie for? Do you, is it for something or would it be like you were saying, just a project to have fun with? I think I'd like a baddie in my new show. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I think that will probably give me more of a um, incentive to do it. And, yeah. and um, I suppose because when the world's your oyster, when there's no boundaries, it's quite hard to hone in, isn't it? I think so, yeah. You know, making a choice, yeah. So anyway, but I, I love the challenge and um, I hope other people joined in. I enjoyed Joseph's, uh, Joseph Nixon did a lovely Philip Larkin, didn't he? It was he? beautiful, wasn't it? And he did some videos too. We'll put some links to those videos on the Facebook page if people want to look at them. Oh, lovely. Yes, that's perfect. Should we listen to John's challenge now? Oh, yes, let's hear John Higgs's challenge for today. <gasps> yeah, uh, okay. Um, I see you're wearing a Kate Bush T-shirt, you see, so... And there's all the Kate Bush re-releases coming out now, and I've been exploring the, the past of Kate Bush, and it's brilliant, but there's, a, there's this big missing gap. I've sort of become aware that how so many of her songs 
are based on just something weird she saw on the TV in the 70s and wrote a song about it. Like, she didn't read Wuthering Heights, she just saw the end of a film. Which makes me think that she should have written a song about the great British folk hero, Doctor Who. Okay, so what I would like to set you is to write a song in the style of Kate Bush about 1970s Doctor Who. (laughs) Consider it done. So that was John Higgs's challenge to write a song in the style of Kate Bush based on Doctor Who. Now, for me, I'm quite excited about this, Heather, because I don't know anything about Doctor Who. So it's going to be quite a genuine, terrible lyric response. Yeah. And for you, you're a brilliant songwriter, so you can do beautiful music. Well, I don't know anything about Doctor Who either. So let's see what comes out. <laughs> It'd be quite <laughs> like interesting. <a> <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And if anyone wants to see the results of our challenges, including Daisy's Puppet Challenge, they can look at... At My Creative Beast, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And that's where you can send us pictures of your puppets or audio clips of your music as well. And we look forward to hearing it and seeing it. Oh, yes, because the challenge from John Higgs and Daisy is open to everyone. So we hope to have a whole album's worth of Kate Bush songs about Doctor Who. Challenges, creative challenges. Challenges. It's time for you to feed the beast while I try macrame. Righto, robot. Enjoy your rope. Macrame. 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 He sounds like someone I've heard before, Joe. <gasps> yeah, me too. Derek Nimmo? No, it's not Derek Nimmo. Maybe Floella Benjamin. Maybe. Mm, well, someone like that, anyhow. Now it's time to feed the beast. Now it's time to feed the beast. All of John's books. Our colour-coded question cards. A summer solstice timetable. Some plumbing equipment. A KLF record. Very rare. Oh, God, at Gary Barlow's toenails. Oh, God. Right, OK, now it's time for us to go and decide which one of our five regulation meals we're having. Yeah. Enjoy your knotted owl plant pot holder. Yeah, your useless robot. Oh, oh that's a point. We haven't got a name for him. Oh. Maybe next time. If you have an idea of what we should call our robot, please send us your suggestions via Twitter, Facebook or Instagram at MyCreativeBeast. Pyramids, Plumbers and Potheads was written and performed by Joanna Neary and Heather Minor, with music and production by Heather Minor and mastering by John Griffin. Joanna and Heather would like to thank their creative guest, author John Higgs, and additional cast members Alistair Carr as the robot butler and John Griffin as American Abman. John Higgs's next book is The Future Starts Here, Adventures in the 21st Century, and it's out on May the 16th. <laughs>